So let's pray and get in the word. Father, we do uh, thank you once again for the opportunity that we have to open up your word just to continue and looking at and, and uh, understanding what families are and our responsibilities, what you've called us to. So God, I do pray that you would bless this time. Lord, that we wouldn't just kind of think that it's some kind of uh, uh, you know, lesson on something that maybe we don't think we need, but Lord, we would hear your heart, I think especially as we think about families. And Lord, we've been looking at for a while of marriage, and now we're gonna transition into children and our responsibilities there and, and our responsibilities as, as uh, employees, employers. So bless this time, Lord, and work in it, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're gonna continue kind of the family thing. We finished up the marriage part, but there's still more. And I think some of this that we're gonna look at tonight maybe is kind of, really the most important is we think about what we're doing. I don't know if you're paying attention to politics, but, so I, I understand, it's great to stick our head in the sand. Do you know what the House passed today? Yeah, some people do. Res House resolution number five, that is going to impact all of our lives. And as we think about family, what we're looking at here, this is an anti-family bill that got passed, and to me, it's scary. It's scary what they're doing. It's gonna be scary for the church, and, and it's gonna dictate things, so you can check it out for yourself, but hey, write your senator and ask them, please do not pass it. So that's something we can do as a responsibility. I know Robert told you not to pay attention to politics, but I'm telling you, you do know. I, I know he didn't say that. I just had to say that. But I know he said, right? Put Jesus first then, and hey, we do need to be responsible, and I do think we need to write our, our senators and say, please do not vote for that bill. But having said that, and all that has to do with what we're looking at, family. Listen, when you start tearing down the family, you ruin a nation. The family is the core of the nation. And when we start disrupting that and tearing that apart, our nation is going to go by the wayside. And check it out historically, other places, other world powers, things that happen, that's exactly what took place. So as believers, listen, as believers, not only do we have a responsibility to protect that whole idea of family, but I think our greater responsibility is to let the world know this is what family is all about. As believers, we should be living, not just preaching, not just talking about, but we should be living out the whole idea of family and what that means. So we've looked at for a few weeks, we've looked at marriage and the fact that God instituted marriage. He's the one that designed it. He's the one that put it together. He gave us instructions telling us how to do it. I mean, you know, sometimes I think it doesn't get much easier than that. God instituted it. God performed the first wedding. Jesus was involved in weddings. The Ephesians and Colossians and Peter tell us how to do it right. I'm thinking, why are we messing it up? Here's why, church, because we don't believe God. We say we believe him, but when it comes to really practicing what he says, we kind of go, well, you know, and we start hedging, and well, you know, and, and I know that that's what the word says, but, did you ever say that? Come on, I think we all say that at some point. Don't act all self-righteous. <laughs> we all do that at some point. But man, in a whole idea of family, we have a responsibility to the world to let them know. So Paul talked about, again, how to be a good wife, how to be a good husband. And I know people tell me all the time, they think I oversimplify. I think you can be a good wife by leading a spirit-filled life, by believing Jesus. I think you can be a good husband by leading a spirit-filled life, by, by, by following Jesus. I think it's that easy if we will do it. And I don't think we need a bunch of books on it. I don't think we need a bunch of seminars. I don't think we need a bunch of special teachings. It's in the Bible. So he's laid that out. We did it through our study. Now he's gonna talk about our responsibility as children and with children and how we handle that. 
And what does that look like? So listen, this is still part of the family, right? It's kind of sad to me. There's a chapter break there because this is all part of it. I don't think the chapter, my personal opinion, chapter break shouldn't come till verse 10 because this is still dealing with the same issues. But I want us to understand something. This all started back in verse 20, I was going to say 21. 21's part of it, but it started when he re- told us, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation in verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. Whether we're talking about wives, whether we're talking about husbands, whether we're talking about children, whether we're talking about our responsibilities in the workplace, we need to be Spirit-filled people, and we need to allow the Spirit to guide us. So this is all about the Spirit-filled life. Listen, I think some people, when they talk about the spirit-filled life, they get off on a thing that gets all mystical and woo, and people, you know, doing bizarre things. You know what a spirit-filled life is? It's a witness to the world of what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus, that you allow him to govern your marriage and, and you're, you're raising your children or you're being a, a good, faithful child to a parent. So, verse one of chapter six says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, I'm gonna stop, and and we can do the rest in a minute, but I wanna stop there because I think some people misinterpret this. And some people say he's telling children to obey their parents who are in the Lord, and that's a good thing. So if your parents are unsaved, I guess you can be a hellion, I don't know. You know, it's like, I don't get why people say that. But that's not what he's saying. It's not even close. He's saying children who are in the Lord Obey your parents because you're in the Lord. Here's how you act because this is who you are. And I think it's important that we understand that. And as he's talking about obedience here, it is a little bit different word than when he used with wives and husbands in submission. This is more, I I love the idea, this is more if you break it down etymologically and, and look at the original language, it's two different words and it means under or here or here under. And it's kind of like, Put yourself under what you're hearing. As your parents do things, you have a responsibility to listen to that and act on that. Now, I think this is appropriate for our culture, especially. I think it's appropriate for what I just talked about, that bill passing. Do you know that that bill is going to make it practically illegal for you to tell your child they're a male or a female, for you to raise them, for you to tell them certain things? This is insane what's going on, and you know, it blows my mind. I think, listen, as parents, you've lived life, you've done things, and we'll talk about our responsibility in a moment, but we wanna raise our kids, and we wanna protect them. Why does a parent put boundaries around their child? Because they love them. Why does God put boundaries in our life? Why does he tell us, here's some boundaries, don't go over these boundaries, because he's a mean God? because he's some kind of you know, cosmic big bully that he doesn't want us to do things, or is this for our own good to protect us? And the same with children. And I believe the problem is a lot of us, I'm kind of getting ahead into verse four, but a lot of us as parents, we're not following Jesus, but we expect our kids to follow us. Hmm, mom and dad, little conviction there. How does that work out? Hey, I'm blessed, my kid's gone. So, but we have responsibility. So the children, he addresses the children, he says, here's what you need to do. And I love the idea, you need to do it. And why do you need to do it? I love his very first reason. Why do you need to do it? Here's what he says, because it's the right thing to do. Don't you love that? He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Listen, he hasn't even got to scripture yet. He's gonna now give us some scripture why we should do it and and et cetera. But here's what he's saying. Just because everybody, I don't care what culture you go into, children are supposed to obey their parents. I don't care, you know, if it's people that are, you know, in in places that are so remote and nobody's gone there, children are still supposed to obey their parents. That's just a right thing to do. And our our culture in America, man, we're messing that up big time. And it's sad. And listen, I... I think a lot of the responsibilities on the parents and we'll get there, but this is speaking to children. I'm looking around, we don't have a lot of children in here tonight. They must have got word. (laughs) 
but obey your parents. And then he says, because it's right. And then, listen, now he gives us a, another reason. He, he gives us a couple more. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on earth. So listen, now he, now he quotes Exodus chapter 20, right? We just kind of read that if you're doing a Bible reading, kind of went through the Ten Commandments, and listen, the Ten Commandments aren't things necessarily that are gonna make you save or keep you saved or whatever, but they're just like really good principles to live by. When people say, you know, I don't keep, you know, the Ten Commandments are no big deal. I don't think we go around murdering people, do we? Hopefully not. They're just principles to live by. And one of the ones is he starts changing from our relationship to God, right? The first part of the commandments are your, are your relationship with God and how you deal with him, horizontal. Then the rest of the commandments are, are vertical and how you deal with each. I have that backwards. Verti, vertical this way, horizontal, sorry. But some of you are going. So listen, and then he tells us, here's how we deal with each other. And isn't it interesting, the very first one is well, honor your parents. Now, I know in verse one he says obey. Here he says honor. And I think he's, you know, I think again in the Lord, it goes way beyond just when you're a child. Oh, by the way, that word for children is a word that's used for a, a, a child of any age, not necessarily little guys, right? As they grow and get older and they're under the, the, the roof of the house. But here, you know, he says, hey, we need to honor our parents. And that's a, you know, that's like a duh. Now, I guess I can get a, a little bit transparent. I don't think I'll get in too much trouble. There was a time where I didn't go to one of my dad's birthday parties in his 70s, 80s, I think. And one reason I didn't go is I never got told there was a party. So it's kind of hard to go if you don't have awareness of that. And so I didn't go, and I have, a, I have an aunt that doesn't, didn't really like me. She's gone now. She didn't really like me. Well, she got mad. And she calls me at like 6 a.m. And I had just been to a, a, a Luis Palau crusade in Tucson. We got back really late. So I think I got to bed at 1, 1.30. And she calls me. I answer the phone, and it's my aunt, who's not a believer, not even close to being a believer, quoting scripture to me. <laughs> I'm going, what is going on? And luckily, I was half asleep, so I didn't argue with her. I just went, okay, thank you. I'll try and do that. And it was, honor your father and mother. She's, she's quoting that. And it's just like really weird. And she did it in King James. So anyway, <laughs> it's bizarre to me. Now listen, there, there is truth. I think we should honor our parents no matter what age they are, no matter what age we are. And I wasn't dishonoring my dad. I didn't have a chance to tell her that I didn't get told there was a party. And this whole family issues. But my point is, we need to honor our parents. It's not something that you necessarily need an unbeliever to call you and tell you. You know, you might just do it on your own. But honor our parents. And then he says, listen, this is the first commandment with a promise. And you can go back and read it. Now, there is a little bit of difference. When it's in Exodus 20, here's what he's saying. Children, honor your parents so you can live long in the land. It was a promise to Israel if they followed God and did what God told them to do and kept that, that they could stay long in the land. So obviously it's a little bit different. Here, Paul kind of tweaks it a little and he says that it may be well with you. And here's one thing I know. You obey your parents, you honor your parents, and you obey them when you're a, a child. As you become an adult, you honor them and do that. Life goes pretty well. My parents did not set me up for failure. It's not like my parents went, man, I hope Pat just blows it. I really, what do parents, what is every parent's dream? That their children will do good, that their children will be, you know, go further and better than what they did, etc. And you have that. So you want your life to go well? Listen to your parents. And even, listen, even as you become an adult, it's not such a bad thing to listen to your parents. And a lot of us know that our parents, man, they like get really smart between your age of 18 and your age of 22. You think, how did they learn so much in four years? 
Like all of a sudden they're brilliant, their advice is good, right? So hey, we need to do that so our life will go well. He gives that and then he also says that you may live long on earth. Now listen, I don't think, uh, and, and don't take this, it cracks me up when some people take, you know, verses out of context. Well, if you wanna live really long, you need to honor your parents and they think it's some kind of magic formula. That's not what he's saying. He's not talking about longevity of life. He's talking about quality of life. And I think there's a huge difference, listen, between people and watch and check out, just do statistics, do some Googling when you go home and check out what happens to to, uh, teenagers who completely reject their parents and where they end up and life choices they make and things that happen compared to those who are obedient, respectful, walking the way they should, and how their life and their, their journey goes. I think it's amazing, and it's like, you don't have to be a child psychologist to figure out what's going on there. So that's what he tells children. That's the children. Now, I want to spend time here. He says in verse four, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Now he's talking to dads. Oh, and you can read Colossians chapter three and First Peter chapter two to get uh, some more information on this as, as parenting. And both of them are very brief. But listen, fathers, here's what he's saying, fathers. Now, I believe when he's saying fathers, I believe he's talking to moms and dads, not just dads. But why does he say fathers? Because the main responsibility is to the dads. Dads, we're it. And what kind of cracks me up sometimes when, when you go through this passage, and we just did it, and you go through, you know, wives need to submit, and the husbands are all going, amen, you know, preach it, and then, and then you know, you do the husbands love your wives, and the wives are all, all going, amen, preach it. But listen, when we, when we do that, some men get all, all, you know, kind of built up and thinking I need, but then they ignore this part. Hey, dads, our responsibility as a father is to make sure you don't provoke your children to wrath. Our responsibility, we're gonna, we're gonna get to in a little bit, our responsibility is to make sure that they're trained in the admonition of the Lord. We have a responsibility to do that. And so many dads relegate that, or they might say, I delegate that to my wife, to the underling, to take care of that. Dads, it's your responsibility. You need to step up. You need to do that. And you need to make sure that your child's not provoked. How much time do you spend encouraging your children? How much time do you, number one, how much time do you even spend with them? You know, I think that's first and foremost is you don't need to be an absentee father. You don't need to be so busy doing stuff. I know in my childhood, my dad was hardly ever around. He wasn't around the house much. He wasn't around much. And when he was, he was pretty grumpy. And that's hard to, it's hard to live with. It's hard to, to function in that. And, you know, I know for myself, I made, I made myself a promise. Here's what I'm going to do, you know, if I ever have kids. And here's how I'm going to do things. And dads, we need to be there. Now, listen, just being physically there isn't always being there, right? Especially guys. Come on, guys. We can, like, flip a switch and all we hear is blah, 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 like background stuff. So, listen, we need to be there. Mentally, spiritually, physically. And we need to be there for our kids. We need to have conversations with them. We need to talk with them. We need to make sure that, that they know that we care about them. If you're a dad that you're always criticizing your kid, you're always telling them they're not good enough or they did this wrong or they did that wrong, that's kind of what I grew up with. You, just, you, know, you, would, you would do things and, and you'd never get affirmation. It was like, you know, you didn't do that good enough. And, you know, I worked for a few employers that did the same thing. You, you know, you, you're like, you worked and worked and worked and, and you're saying, hey, how's this? Well, it's okay. I would have done. Dads, give your kids some praise. Spend some time doing that. I believe every child yearns for the praise, especially of their dads. They want that. They desire that. God put them together that way because you're the leader. You're the one who's taking them on this journey in the beginning of their life. Now, I did read something, and it was kind of gross, and I don't want to repeat it all because it was pretty mean to babies. This, this article said babies are like selfish, stubborn, 
self-willed, all of these things, and I'm going, and that's a baby, like lighten up a little bit. But it's true, right? If you've had one, if you have one, you know the reality of it. It always cracks me up. People say, oh, they're so innocent till you get one. <laughs> and then they're not so innocent anymore, right? But hey, we know that. Listen, you don't have to teach a kid how to do that. You've got to teach them how to not do that. And you've got to raise them. And, and then, and then this, this little blurb article went on to say, and they're empty-headed. I thought, well, that's kind of rude. <laughs> but it's true. I get what they're saying, Right? Hey, everything they get, they're gonna get from us. And we have that responsibility. And if we're a person who we're critical, who we're always putting them down, that's gonna affect their life forever. Now, hopefully they can get out of that on their own, but you're affecting them. You're building something in them. So don't provoke them to wrath. Another way you can provoke them to wrath, I believe, is being super heavy-handed. Now, listen, I was, I was, in some people's eyes, a very strict father, and it's funny because I think I was because I loved my little girl. But my little girl knew I loved her and she knew I did what I did because I loved her. Why? Because I sat and talked to her about it and I told her, these are limitations I'm gonna put on your life as long as you're with me because I love you, because I care about you. And we came to a point, listen, sometimes, you know, the worst thing you can do as a dad is say, because I said so. <laughs> that stinks, come on. Give them some reasons, you're not a bully. Does God bully you? Listen, does God give you principles and not explain them? No, he explains them. We need to be parents and especially dads who we said, listen, if you do, I told you, you know, because I told you, you're provoking your child to wrath. That's going to make them want to rebel so fast. You need to sit and have conversations with them. And you know what? I think one of the greatest things we can do as a dad is tell your child, I'm sorry. I blew it. I was wrong in that area. Because dads, you're going to make mistakes. And you can tell your child that. And you have that kind of relationship. Listen, man, you're gonna, you're gonna bring all of that down and you're not gonna be that one who's provoking your child. I think one of the worst things someone could say about a dad or a mom is that, you know what? My parent did this and that's why I'm doing this. If it's bad. If it's good, it's a good thing. But you, you guys with me? Listen, man. We have a responsibility for molding that individual and pouring into them. And man, I think it's such a privilege. Do you understand something? This is, here's what blows my mind. Do you understand that God loves you enough to give you stewardship over another human being? That's a little freaky, isn't it? They're his, right? When we, do Bi when we do Bible dedications, we don't really dedicate Bibles, we dedicate babies. <laughs> But when we do baby dedications, what is the thing we ask the parent? Do you want to raise this child in the Lord? Do you recognize this child as a gift from God? Do you want to give this child back to the Lord? Listen, it's about we have this tremendous stewardship that God has entrusted us. I think every parent, listen, if there's one thing, and maybe you're not a parent yet and you're gonna be a parent, if there's one thing you need to understand is God has given you this tremendous stewardship over this life and you can develop it and you can do some great things with it because he trusts you. All you gotta do is trust him in what he says. So you don't wanna provoke your child uh, to wrath and then, listen, then he says kinda to me the big thing. He says, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That word for training is more like a word for cherishing, like, like you're taking care of them, you're embracing them and taking them along this journey. And, and uh, you know, we need to be a people who, man, we're, we're involved in that and we wanna be involved in that. And as dads, are you spending time with your child, cherishing those moments, letting them know they're cherished, and then making sure that you're bringing them up in the admonition of the Lord. Here's what some people say. Isn't that what children's ministry's for? No. Our children's ministry is to come alongside you and help you. And our children's ministry is to, you know, is to supplement 
what you're doing. You're the main feeder of your child. You're the main one. When was the last time dads and, and, and some, of you, some of you who are younger dads, if your kids are out of the house, I get it. When was the last time you sat down and had a spiritual conversation with your child? Read the Bible with them. Talked about, talked about some theology with them. Man, sometimes as parents, we're afraid to do that. Some of my greatest memories of my daughter Leah is when I would come home from Bible college and we would drive from Tucson and, and we'd be in the car and, and oftentimes Gaynell would be driving because I'd been traveling all day and, and Leah would be saying, Dad, what did you learn? Teach me about this. And we'd have deep theological discussions and, and you know, I got this, this seventh grader asking me theological questions. I'm going, how good is that? And I would spend the time and I would talk to her and we would even argue over some things because she didn't want to believe the way I did, but I made sure she did. <laughs> no. But dads, do you do that with your kids? Or do you just say, just go to, go to children's ministry, they'll teach you. Hey, I think we have a great children's ministry. And I appreciate all the men and women who pour in to the kids in this church. And I think it's, yeah, it is. It's a good thing. And I know they love the kids. I know they care about the kids. But it's not a substitute for what our responsibility is. And we need to do that. And hey, today when you pick up your kid, if you, if you have a kid over there, when you pick them up, just thank those people for doing that. Thank him for helping you out and being, you know, being a supplement to what you're doing. But man, it's our responsibility. And we need to, hey, when was the last time, when was the last time you took your kid and said, hey, let's read a chapter of the Bible together? Or how about this? Let's me and you read through the Bible in this year. Let's do that together. I know some parents are going, dude, that takes time. Really? <laughs> I didn't know that. Your kids are not gonna get it by osmosis. It's not just gonna fall on them. And trust me, one hour, two hours a week, if you come two times a week next door, is not gonna do fulfill at all. Again, we wanna supplement. It's like you take supplements, right? You don't quit eating. You still eat good food, hopefully, and nourishing food, and then you take supplements. Well, we're supplementing what you're feeding your children. And, and so it's a responsibility. And listen, man, I think it's a great privilege. And we should be people, we want our kids to excel. Listen, I, and my daughter, even today, I want my daughter to do good. I want, you know, I want her to know that I'm proud of her and, and that I love her and I care for her, even as an adult. And, but as a child, man, it was so good. And, and I was blessed. My, my daughter was almost perfect. People have asked Gaynell and I what our secret was. And I told him this, because God knew I could not handle a rebellious, horrible kid that they would probably die and I would go to prison. <laughs> so he knows, God knows, listen, I, I don't think I have any great secrets to raising a child. I believed God's word. Now, listen, she was, we, were, we were saved when my daughter was nine years old, so there was some years that the Lord wasn't involved in our lives. But I believed God and I wanted to do what God called me to do as a dad. And I think the last thing I wanna talk about is mom and dad, two more things. Be consistent. Just be consistent. Don't be all over the place. Listen carefully, God has given you the stewardship of that child. Here's what God has said, I'm entrusting you with this life. I want you to represent me to that child. That's a pretty big responsibility, isn't it? And as we're representing God to that child, if we're inconsistent, we're all over the place, what are they gonna think about God? What are they gonna think about every other authority figure who comes in their life? We have that response, be consistent. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I remember there was one time, Leah was a little bit older and uh, this girl came to live with us and I just, we just bought this bed and I'd kind of put it together but I hadn't screwed it all together so it was kind of fake put together 
and we were doing a Bible study and the kids were at our house and we went to another house and Leah said, Dad, can I show the kids and, 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 and Zandy my new bed? And I go, yes, but do not touch it. It will fall apart. I said, so do not touch a bed. Yes, you can. I said, you touch that bed, I'm gonna spank you. I came back and the bed is... <laughs> So, and she was a little old, but I had to do it because I told her I was going to do it. I said, okay, let's do this. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. (laughs) You know what the little boys say to that, don't you? Yeah, but it's going to hurt me in a different place. (laughs) But anyway. So, hey, I remember, and I remember one of the parents who told their child the same thing called me, and they go, you're not really going to spank Leah, are you? And I go, not again. And they go, you already spanked her? And I said, I told her I was gonna spank her. I have to do that. So listen, if you, if you and I'm not saying we all need to spank. That was just my way, and, and it's not always every parent you do those things. I never spanked my child in anger. Well, early on I did. I had to repent from that. But listen, man, as a parent, if you're gonna use that kind of punishment, you need to be self-controlled. And you need to be a parent who you're making it obvious what you're doing and why you're doing it. But listen, man, I I remember I got done. Trust me, Leah, from that moment on, if I said don't touch something, she didn't touch it. She like, and I didn't, hey, I barely spanked her because she's too old to spank. So it's kind of uncomfortable for both of us. It's like, this is a weird thing to do. (laughs) But you have to be consistent. And And then the other thing I think we need to be is we need to be parents that we're willing to say no to our children. There's nothing wrong with that. And listen, if you say no, let your no be no. When I was a kid, I did something, and I don't even remember what it was I did, but I got grounded. That was a lot. This is when I was in high school, and my dad grounded me. And there was a band, like, I. I was raised in Bisbee. Bands didn't come to Bisbee. And this was a band that actually had recorded a record-type band, you know, not just a local band. And man, and they played at the armory, and it was like five blocks from my house. I could see it. And I said, Dad, this band is coming. He goes, you ground it. I go, this band is coming. This is like a big, big deal. This doesn't happen in Bisbee. And he goes, you're grounded. And I said, I will give you three weeks for one night. You can extend my punishment for three more weeks, just one night. Nope, you're grounded. I know it had to be breaking, and I'm begging my dad, I'll give you four weeks. Like, I'm trying, like, I'm really trying. Nope, man, he would not give in. You're grounded. I remember I got up on this garage roof and listened to the band from sitting there, and I'm sure my dad's in the house heartbroken, right? Here's his kid sitting up there. But listen, man, you've got to do that, and you've got to be somebody if you, hey, tell them no, then you stand by it and you do that because you're representing God to that that child. If there's a rule that you have that you cannot keep, then change the rule. Do not make a rule that you're not willing to keep. Don't tell them you're supposed to do this and then not uphold it. So listen, all of that goes into provoking, all of that goes into training. Spend time, love your kids, and let's be parents, listen, let's be parents who are raising up great kids. Now, I do have to say this. All of this is not a promise that your kid's gonna be great. Because some people go, well, if I do this, they're gonna be great. They're still their own person. Oh, and that's an important thing. Let your kid be who they are. You know, some dads try and live vicariously through their children, like they always wanted to play a sport and they weren't quite good enough, so they push their kid into it. Or some moms push their daughter into dancing or something or something crazy. Hey. Let them be who they are. It's important. I, you know, I, I think, man, I watch some parents and I'm going, seriously? Like, chill out. Let that kid just be who that kid is. So again, and if you have several children, don't make one into the other one and expect them to be the same. They're gonna be different. So having said that, listen, here's some, here's some proverbs that you can look up later. If you're a parent, you're having issues with your children, look these up. And some of them talk about the rod, but it's not necessarily talking about corporal punishment. Just pay attention to those. It's interesting how many proverbs there are that deal with us raising our children and how to be good parents. 
So Paul lays that out. Now, I think he, you know, again, just four verses, three verses to the kids, one verse to, to the parents that's hard hitting. Now he moves into an area that sort of cracks me up when you start reading commentaries on it. Let's read the first verse. He says, verse five, bond servants, or some of your translations might say slaves. It's interesting that the New King James decided to use that word bond servant. Remember, a bond servant was somebody who wanted to be a slave and chose that. But listen, he says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So now listen, he lays something out here and he tells us, here's what you're supposed to do. And today I think we have to modernize it. And I don't wanna get, get into a long thing about slavery uh, what it looked like in the time of Rome compared to what it looked like in, in American history. I, I, think, I don't think we should sugarcoat Rome's slavery. It was still slavery. It's funny how people say, well, you know it was different. Read what some of the Roman men quoted. Read what Aristotle said. Read what Plato said. They said some great, great things, gross things about slaves. So listen, it wasn't like, oh, it was beautiful, Granted, there was 60 million slaves in Rome, so it was very prominent, and it was a different in some ways because, hey, this is crazy. Back in, in those days, you could own your doctor. Kind of a cool thing, huh? I've always liked that aspect of, hey, I own you, so you do what I say instead of me doing what you say. But they took it to the point, sorry if you're a doctor, but they took it to the point <laughs> They took it to the, to the point again where they treated them as subhuman. Because I don't care where you're talking about slavery. Anytime you start doing slavery, you're gonna start treating that person as an object. So I don't wanna sugarcoat it too much. It was gross. Why did the New Testament not really put it down? Why did the Old Testament not really put it down? Uh, there's some theories. I, I believe they didn't put it down because the Old Testament and New Testament are written about our redemption. And the focus is on our redemption. And we're looking at that. If you're redeemed in Christ and you understand that, I believe slavery becomes more tolerable. And maybe that's why. I am not sure. I don't have a, quote, a perfect biblical answer for that. Why? Why did Jesus not speak against slavery? Why did Paul not come out? Although Paul did say in Corinthians, if you can get your freedom, get it and do it. But he also was doing a thing, listen, any kind of rebellion is not good, period. Even if you're rebelling against tyranny, you know, when we talk about our nation and how our nation was born, our nation was born in rebellion. You gotta kinda remember that. And yes, they were coming out of a tyrannical thing and looking for some freedoms and doing some things and I'm not buying into the whole thing that every person who came over here was a you know, white supremacist European jerk who was coming here. They, most of them were escaping something and coming here and I get that. But the whole rebellion, listen, God says rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Hmm. So we need to understand that. So maybe that's why. But when they address it, listen, here's what Paul says. If you're a bond servant, if you're a slave, man, you need to be the best slave you can be. So I know that I'm not talking to people who are into that right now. So we'll just change it to employer, employee. If you're working for somebody, shouldn't you be the best employee that person has? Shouldn't you be the person that, here, here's always kind of my hope is that, especially if people, number one, if they know you're a Christian, which they should, your first day at any job, you should tell them you're a Christian. Your first day any place, you should let everybody know you're a Christian. And people go, well, then they're gonna hold me accountable. Exactly, that's why you should do it. So listen, you should tell people right away, I'm a Christian. On your job, you should say, I'm a Christian, so people around you know that. And then, as you are, a Christian and doing your job as a Christian would do their job, 
then here's what that person's gonna say. Do you have any Christian friends? Because I wanna hire them. Because you're the best employee I have. And then if you, especially if you tell them you go to Calvary. Like don't tell them you go to Calvary and then stink as an employee, right? If you're gonna stink as an employee, tell them you go, no. <laughs> but shouldn't we do that? As believers, shouldn't, shouldn't we present the best possible presentation there is? And I know some people go, I hate my job. Here's my pat answer, then quit. You were looking for a job when you found that one. Quit. Do not badmouth. Do not do those things. Nothing irritates me more than when I hear people badmouthing their employer and going on and on about things. Here's what, man, if you come to me and start talking that way, here's what I'll tell you. Quit your job. Stop it. Well, you don't know I have this many years invested. Then quit complaining. And stay there. If you're going to stay there, some people say, but my boss is Satan incarnate. Well, if he's Satan incarnate, what are you doing there, right? And I don't think anybody is in a position as an employee that the people to Paul was writing to as slaves. Way different. So here's God's biblical perspective on us and employees. Do what you're doing as unto Christ. Listen carefully. There is no, this is my secular and this is my spiritual. Oh, it bugs me when people go, well, my secular job is, what are you doing with a secular job if you're a Christian? Everything you do should be done as unto the Lord because that's who you're serving. You're his bond servant, right? We all chose to be his servant. We're his servant. So here's what he's saying, man. He's going, listen, man, you guys, he says, be obedient to your masters according to the flesh. So those according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Here's what he's saying. With great respect, respect the people you work for. Look, you know, show them that respect. I believe you can respect the position even if the person is, a, a, you know, quote, a turkey. I learned that in the army. Hey, when I was in the army, you respected rank. No matter whether the person with the rank deserved it or earned it or whatever, you respected them because that's the way it was. If you didn't respect them, then you got, you know, you got in trouble and you got certain things going on. And as rebellious as I am, I even, I did that part in the army because that's what you did. So you respect the person you work for it. Here's what I found. You show a person like that respect, they change. It's interesting how they begin to change. And then not only are you to respect them, here's what he says. Also, listen, you're supposed to do what you do sincerely. Oh, do your job sincerely. But Pat, I wash the dishes in a fast food restaurant. Then you'd be the best dishwasher they ever had. Do it sincerely. Get into it. Do you know one of the great writers of some Christian literature was a dishwasher? Brother Andrew. Read some of the stuff he wrote. He washed dishes with the monks. So, interesting stuff. So listen, man. Do it with sincerity. Do it as unto the Lord. And then he says, listen, and not just with eye service, as man pleasers. Listen, don't just do what you do when they're looking. How many of us do that? Man, you're working like crazy, the boss leaves, put your feet up. Oh. Our guys here don't do that. Do you ever skate when he's not looking or she's not looking? Mm-mm-mm-mm. He says, man, don't be that. Now listen, I don't think he's saying it's, it's bad to try and please them. He's saying don't be that person that you only do it when they're looking. You do it whether they're there or not and you do the best possible job, and you do it the best you can. And so you want to be somebody who's respectful, you're sincere, you're doing it the best you can. And then he says, listen, but his bondservants doing it with the will of God from the heart with goodwill doing the service. Listen, then let it come from your heart. And then here's what he said, be happy about it. I think if you do those things, I don't care if your boss is Satan incarnate, he'll probably get saved because you're doing, you're showing him respect. You're doing your job well. You're doing, you're working at it whether he's there or not. You're sincere about it. And lastly, man, you're like, woo, I get to do this. Now, here's the thing that I always find fascinating. The first day on a job, people love their job, right? 
I get blank looks. Like usually you get hired and you're going, yes, I got this. And then a weekend, it's like, I got this. And then two years in, I got this stupid job. I hate this job. Man, listen, do it with joy. You get to do this. I tell our staff every Tuesday, we get to do this. This is something we get to do. Now I know some of you go, well, if I could go just go to work at the church, it would be great. Not so great. We're human. Hey, God has knit us together and put us together, and I love the men and women that God has brought here on staff, but we're human. We rub each other occasionally. We bug each other often. (laughs) But if we just show up with, I get to do this, and we put a smile on our face, man, that does everything, and we show respect. Now, listen, and then he, he, he kind of, he lets, this is what you do, and again, verse eight, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Here's what he's saying, man. Know that your reward is in heaven, no matter what they do, no matter how it goes here. Hey, you may have a boss that just treats you like dirt the whole time. Your reward is in heaven. Don't worry about that. Worry about who you are in Christ. And then, and then there, here's a word to employers. Verse nine, and you masters or employers do the same things to them. Here's what he's saying. As an employer, you should show your employee respect, right? You should be that person that you respect, that one who's working with you and for you. And you know, I know here at the church, we all feel like we're all just working together. We're a team where we're locking arms and we're doing things. But hey, you gotta show each other mutual respect. He says, do the same things to them. And then he says, listen, giving up, threatening. Now, I think that's kind of funny because here's what must be happening a whole bunch. Man, you don't do that. I'm gonna beat you. I've worked with some bosses that they never use that terminology because you can't do that, but man, they were always threatening. That's a horrible environment. It gets a little caustic, but here's what I find. Again, if you turn the tables, you respect them, you do your job well, you do that, it's gonna change that, and hopefully, if it doesn't, then, like I said, maybe you need to quit and get out of there. And he says, not threatening, and then here's what he's saying. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Here's what I love, man. Hey, you may be CEO of something. You may be, you know, high up in the, in, up on post or something or wherever you're working. Here's what you need to know. Here in this place, we're all equal. We're all sinners saved by grace. And I love the idea that here's how he ends it. Always remember that. Hey, if God has given you any place of authority over another, and including your children, then you know what? Here's what you need to remember. Man, we're all sinners saved by grace. And God has just let you do something and given you that place. And don't ever forget that. And listen, man, hold that dear to your heart. So here we are. We're at the end. We're gonna be some phenomenal families in Sierra Vista, right? We're gonna be examples to the world. We're gonna be doing it. And here's what's gonna happen, man. Places that we all work at, they're gonna be calling here. Hey, you got any more people that need a job? Your kids, they're all gonna grow up and go on a mission field. Some parents just now went, (gasps) If you raise your kids right, you've done what's required of you. Last time I checked, my Bible said the responsibility I I have is my part. The rest of it's up to him and what he does or up to the other individual. So man, let's do this. I, I get excited every time. Like right now, here's what I feel. Right now, we probably need to go back and do the wives again, the husbands again, and the kids again, because, hey, I just think there's so much more. There's so much depth here that Paul has for us. Because this is crucial. Listen carefully. This is crucial for the furtherment and development and the progression of our nation. Let's take a stand, saints. It's up to us. Write your senator tomorrow. Shoot them an email and say, hey, 
do not vote for HR5. And we need to be people, hey, we want to be involved in that because that is destructive to the family. I, I, think, I can't remember what it's called, but in my mind it's called the anti-family bill because that's what it is. It's anti-family. So let's get busy about that. But the biggest change we can make, hey, you can do all of that and still be a crummy dad, a crummy mom, a crummy kid, a crummy wife, a crummy husband, and all that's for naught. The main way we're gonna change things is by being who we are as Christians and demonstrating that to the watching world. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for this challenge that we have here with, with uh, Paul and him like exhorting us, whether we're thinking about kids here or whether we're thinking about, about employees, employers. Lord, we have this in front of us to go by. And how incredible it is, is you, you, Lord, just as you begin to develop things and all of this comes out of do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. God, fill us to overflowing, especially, especially in our culture, in our world. Have your way in our lives. And Lord, be glorified in us. And most of all, God, I pray, I pray that we would be an example to the world around us of what real Christianity is. It's not a list of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. It's a life that is lived out in the presence of God every day. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for just a couple more minutes. And you know what, if you are here tonight and maybe somebody invited you, maybe you just decided to come and you're here and God has touched your heart, especially over the issue of family and, and maybe even you know, as a, as a mom or a dad or maybe even as a kid, you know that, man, you're not living this way because you've never really, you've never really come to the place where you've surrendered to God. You see, all of this is only possible because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, spirit-filled life. You can't be spirit-filled unless you're saved. So if that's not a reality for you, I'm gonna say a prayer here in a minute. And I want you to say this prayer with me. And bottom line, you're calling on God. You're thanking Jesus for dying for your sins. You're thanking him that he went to the cross and he took the punishment you deserve, not just physical death, but spiritual death. He took that upon himself so you could have eternal life. And so you say this prayer, you're, you're, you're starting a journey with him that will be the best journey of your life. So again, if you've never sincerely come to the Lord and done this, say this prayer with me. If you're backslidden, say this prayer and come home, come back to Jesus. If you're online, again, I like to address those online. If you're watching at home, you can say the prayer right there. You don't have to be in this building. It's the prayer that counts. It's the heart that counts. So again, you can say this out loud or you can say it silently, but it's gotta be sincere. Jesus, today, tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now I want you to come into my heart and I'm asking you to change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me, direct me. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.